There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 995. ID10T.com is a place where you can get uh, podcast shirts, other shirts. We may have some uh, fancy licensed things coming up in the very near future around dates that are relevant to your interests. So go there. Also, stand-up dates uh, are there with uh, links to tickets. I'll be in Nashville and Salt Lake City in June. So I'll be at Zany's and then Wise Guys. I don't know. I feel like I would just say it that way. Wise Guys. SLC people know what I'm talking about. Uh, so go there, and I hope to see you there. Uh, let's go to the community cork board. Uh, the first cork board is from Judy, who writes, My husband Rob Kaufman is a great artist and my soulmate. We have known each other since 1997 and been married since 2000. He's been battling cancer for six years now, and the cancer's fighting back. He can no longer work, and bills are piling up. Rob has published a book a few years back called Dr. Consuela Finkelstein's Zombie Babes Coloring and Activity Book. It is obscure, perfectly drawn, and unique. Selling some of this would greatly help us, so please check it out on Amazon by searching Dr. Consuela Finkelstein's uh, Zombie Babes Coloring and Activity Book. Absolutely, Judy, and uh, I just wish you and Rob all the best, and uh, hope we can uh, we can help out there. Also, Christina writes, my friend Brad Dukes wrote the most amazing book, and I think any fan of Twin Peaks would love it as much as I did. It's called Reflections, an oral history of Twin Peaks. He interviewed some of the cast and crew of the show and gives great behind-the-scenes insight to the fans uh, for the show. Uh, It can be found on Amazon under Brad Dukes or Reflections, an oral history of Twin Peaks. There you go. Nice job. Events at ID10T.com is how you can get your corkboard read. Um, This episode is one of our dearest friends, uh, Jamie King. Not to be confused with Joey King, who was on a few episodes back. They are not related in any way. They are just Jay Kings. That's it. But uh, Jamie, you might have heard her husband, Kyle Newman, on a handful of episodes ago. And if you haven't, uh, he is also wonderful and just the best nerd. Uh, Jamie is so just a beam of light. And she officiated our, she was one of the officiators of my wedding to Lydia. I had been friends with her before. Then she and Lydia also happened to be friends. And she's just one of the best, most wonderful and loyal friends you could have. And on this episode also, um, so uh, open and and authentic and honest and uh, and willing to talk about uh, things that are difficult to talk about. And, and, and again, very open. And um, I just, I can't tell you how much I respect and appreciate her. And I'm so glad she was able to, uh, to come on and, uh, and do the podcast. Her show that you should watch is called Black Summer. And it is a zombie show. And, uh, and it's a fucking really good one. It is, I guess technically it's the prequel to Z Nation, but tonally it is not like Z Nation at all. Like Z Nation is sort of fun, quirky. Lydia was on the show last year as Pandora. Um, and But Black Summer is a completely different tone, completely different vibe. And 
really sort of tells the story of the events leading up to ultimately the sort of the fall of society that then, you know, a lot later on becomes Z Nation. So Black Summer is available now uh, on Netflix and the episodes are actually pretty, really digestible. They're like summer 27, summer 30, summer 42 minutes. Um, and uh, it's, they've, they just have a really, they've done a really great storytelling thing. They're the way that they kind of weave it all together. And then Stephen King has been giving it props on Twitter. So, you know, if the King is behind it, uh, he's not behind it, but if he's, uh, if he's on board for it, uh, you know, cause he doesn't, Jamie doesn't know him. And I ran into her the other day and I'm like, how's your day going? She was like, Stephen King tweeted my show. This is the fucking best day ever. So I was so excited that she was so excited. Uh, so black summer available on Netflix now. And here's the ID10T podcast number 995 with the wonderful Jamie King. Initiating ID10T protocol. Visit to the podcast. There's nothing like being with friends. To talk about. Life. Yeah, well, the last time you were on, though, Lydia and I weren't married yet. No. But I'm and, sure and we And you were... know, we were friends before I even met Lydia. I know. I know. Uh, Isn't that crazy? It is, a, it is one of those weird things, because I met you when I was working at G4, and then you and Kyle came to my show in Austin when you were doing a show down there, and then when Lydia and I started dating... She talked about you, and I was like, oh, I know them. And she, totally separately, you you two were friends. Isn't that wild? And then you were one of the officiators of our wedding. You you helped marry us. Yes, I did. Um, so thank you for doing that. <laughs> I would do anything for you guys. That It's nice when you go to seminary school and you can actually, you know, you actually are a proper minister and it's not like online. Yeah. Oh, is that what you did? Oh, yeah. So I went to seminary school um, for several years and um, got my master's in spiritual science and psychology. Um, I never believed in organized religion. Um, and when I lost um, someone very close to me when I was 17 um, from a terminal illness, I remember staying on the corner of St. Mark's in New York. Mm-hmm. And... Like people were getting bagels and coffee and they were in their taxis. And it's like I couldn't comprehend how life kept moving on when everything inside of me felt like it had been torn away. Mm -hmm. And I remember standing on the corner saying, if there is a God, whatever there is, if someone is up there and hearing me, you know, show me a reason. Show me a reason why we're here. Show me a reason why I'm here. What is the purpose of this life? Because if this is life, if this is all it is, then I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, like, it's interesting, you know, when we get to those places where we're playing with something up above, right? Because something so traumatic happens. And, you know, in my family, we went to church, but my parents weren't like, you know, godly people or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. um, 
I I walked to a Strand bookstore and I found this book called Spiritual Warrior and it was written by John Roger and it was number one on the New York Times bestselling list and and I was like and I turned the cover over and all these different people I admired you know were on the back talking about how this book changed their life and I'm like okay and I bring it home and like one of the first lines in the book was like if you read this book and believe everything that you read, then you're stupid. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, what is this? And basically what he was talking about was like, read it. I'll use the word God. You can use whatever word you want because you could say banana and it's all the same thing. Like, cause we all have words that trigger us or whatever. But ultimately it was like, you know, if you try these things and it works for you, great. And if it doesn't have the wit to let it go. And in this book, you know, it talked a lot about forgiveness and self-forgiveness. And at this time, you know, I, um, you know, had, you know, I was thrust into an industry where there was a lot of drugs and a lot of this stuff. And I didn't know like the first time that I did, you know, heroin, I didn't even know what that was. They said, I was like at a very fancy shoot and they said, oh, do you do dope? And I thought they were talking about pot because I was 14. And I was like, uh, and I thought I'd be like sent home back to Nebraska. And I was like, uh, sure. And then they pulled out like a line of something. I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is cocaine. And then I was like, oh, they're going to send me home. Like, that's what my, my, you know, like my adolescent brain was thinking. Um, And I was terrified about being sent home because I was just getting my ass kicked every day. You know, like I didn't grow up with money. I had everything I needed, but I just didn't have. I just didn't have what everybody else had. Right. And I looked a certain way and. I, you know, was a weirdo to them. Like I just wanted to read books and listen to music and be at the library and, you know, watch movies and read comic books. And, you know, my mom's favorite movie was, you know, Star Wars and she would watch it over and over again. And, and I think it wasn't until I was like 12 that I realized there was this kind of hierarchy that, that one had to belong to in order to kind of survive school. Um, and my sister, um, was openly gay in a town that, you know, when she came out, people were being murdered for it. Um, and my family fully accepted her because, and that's the, the sort of magic of my parents because they, there was no internet then, you know, but she thought that she was going to be disowned. And they're like, your daughter, we love you. And, and I, I, every one of my siblings, we were all so different. And our parents allowed us to be who we were. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but I remember like the breaking point for me was when, um, I was sleeping one night and, um, all of a sudden my bed started pop, 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 and it lit on fire. And they 
these kids got bricks of fireworks. Oh my god! And lit them on fire and threw them onto my bed. So you that that's you did not want to go home to that. No. And so the fear of not wanting to go home to that, and you're in a situation where they're like. Who gives why, why are they handing out heroin? What the fuck? Because in the in the 90s in that time, you know, when I look back on it, you know, that that was that was the thing. And I didn't know what the thing was. I was a kid. I didn't know what anything was. I just didn't want to go back to a place where I would get heckled in school or people coming up to me with razors in the bathroom for just being myself. I didn't have a place to fit. Like I didn't have like, like, you know, I couldn't be with like the cheerleaders cause I didn't want to be a cheerleader. I wasn't a jock. I was like, there was no fitting in for me there. And the more I tried to fit in, the more I got kicked out. And so, you know, when you're young, everything is quite Shakespearean, but for me, it really felt like my, my, my life was on the line. And when you try and explain that to your parents and parents are doing what parents do, it's not like they didn't hear me, but I don't think they could understand the capacity. Um, just like, you know, I think it, it was, it was just hard because kids are brutal. And ultimately, you know, when I was young, all I ever wanted to do was be a filmmaker. You know, I, I remember, um, you know, because I couldn't afford to get like soundtracks, I would take my boombox and my cassette tapes and I would put them up to the television. Mm-hmm. So like whatever scores I like, you know, like Heather's or, you know, Tim Burton or Xanadu or whatever, <laughs> I would press play record when the songs came on. It would be like, Xanadu, da 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 it's time for dinner now we are here like you know it's like that but i got the music you know and so i i i knew from a young age that there was something in me that didn't um fit the puzzle of the outside world and i was always okay with that and i remember my mom telling me that she's like i don't mean to sound like a bad mother but or like fate, like because she loves all of her children. She's like, but you were such an easy child because you didn't need things from the world. Right. You were just happy with your books or happy running around and creating these imaginary worlds. And and my imagination was so vivid that I like I would go to the side of my house, right, and I would punch in numbers, and I'd be like beep 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 beep, and when I would like on a fake punch board, right. And then when I punched those numbers in, then I got to enter a different world. And I lived in those worlds and had, the, you know, these stories and these places. I could go anywhere. And people would think, oh, my God, this chick's crazy. But I think that a lot of people pr- could probably really understand what that's like, you know, mm-hmm. where you we create worlds within worlds and my imagination was just as real as reality. Well, wait, so let's, I want to, I'm really curious about when you're 14 and then they put this stuff in front of you and then it's you do, you do it, right? You did Uh, it. Oh, I did. And then I just started puking everywhere. And did you, was that something you did a lot or would you do it once and then never again? I mean, you know, I was the baby and it was interesting because I became so famous so quickly and 
when being the the youngest one and then you had of the soup that was the time where there were actual supermodels right mm-hmm. so there were like 15 of us um and there are a lot of situations that i uh was put in where i was not aware of what people were giving me you know like before we knew that roofie was like the date rate bug right or whatever you know, like I would wake up in places that I didn't even know what would happen. And it wasn't just men, it was women too. And I, I, you know, at any child just wants to fit into the group. And some people would be like, well, you, that doesn't mean you have to like do heroin or whatever. I just wanted to know that I was worthy of being loved because my experience was from everybody that I grew up with that who I was was not meant for this world and who I was didn't belong. And there's, it it killed me, you know, it it killed me that when I was, um, really me, that it didn't, me was not enough for people. And then again, like when I tried to be like them, it wasn't enough for them. And I am extraordinarily grateful looking back on that because this world is an illusion, you know, like there it's like a, it's a, it's a puzzle and a construct here that, that this is the, the picture of how we're supposed to work in this world. Right. And then and you're trying to fit your puzzle piece into the picture that that some collective consciousness that that the world has created for us, right? And then you're shoving, you're trying to shove your piece in, and it's like, but I don't fit, I don't fit. I'll carve it down, da da da. It still doesn't fit. And ultimately, it's like, you know what? This world is our temporary home, and this picture of what people want us to be is not, you know. It's based on, you know, some whim of some person and that some person says to some other person and then, you know, then all of a sudden everybody believes it. It's the domino effect of like, oh, well, everything has to be blue, Mm -hmm. right? And then then if someone says, well, that wall is blue and you're like, "Mm," and I hate blue. Blue is the worst color in the whole fucking world. Mm -hmm. I cannot stand blue, right? Don't you hate blue? And then most people are like, yeah, yeah, uh, blue's terrible. Because they want to fit in too. Because they want to fit in too, right? It's, it's, it's the human nature that goes back to the lineage in our DNA that we have to have a pack or a tribe, right, to survive. But we don't need that necessarily anymore. So I do believe, and I actually learned that, you know, when I was studying that, you know, that those are the chains that we need to break. And so when I was 17, I, I, I never touched anything again. And I, um, um, that was when my plea to God was, you know, show me why I'm here because I, I have been put in situations that I could not comprehend. Um, I had, you know, I was making more money than I could ever possibly imagine. And, um, I saved all that money and all I wanted to do was make films and tell stories. And um, and it was interesting because, you know, uh, 
when I was clean, all of a sudden I wasn't as cool to people anymore. It, like in, it, it's interesting how people, and that sounds backwards, but at that time, like that was like the thing, right? Well, yeah, but also when, you know, th- there are certain people that when you get sober or when you stop engaging in destructive behavior, it's uncomfortable for them to be around you because it, number one, you're not validating their then, destructive behavior. And it reflects it back. And it reflects it back and it makes them, it, it's it's almost like they feel like they're being, ju- oh, well, you, oh, you're so much better now. You know, it's like it's that kind of, because it forces them to take stock of themselves, which they a lot of people really don't want to do, but that's there. That's on them. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. And it's a genetic thing, you know, that stuff ran through my family, you know, and, but luckily for me, my parents never drank. They never did anything because their parents did, you know? And so, uh, I didn't grow up in a household where that stuff was around or anything like that was around, um, and you know, my husband has never drank in his life. And then the, iron- the irony is, is that everyone's like, Oh, so you're sober. You're friend of Bob. Like, and he's like, no, I just th- never needed that for me. Yeah. To, some people to just be- don't do it. Like Lydia does like, she has had drinks in her life, but it just isn't something that she really she- thinks about or likes and doesn't, so she doesn't do it, but she's not like. She didn't, she didn't like make the decision like, I'm going to be sober. She just doesn't. Yeah. It's just not her thing. And if she has a glass of wine, great or whatever. But, but it's she, not something she obsesses over and it's very rare. Yeah, you know? she literally doesn't. Like, oh, I know. She would never. Also, it just doesn't make her feel great. Like the times that she's done it, she doesn't feel good. But I think there's an interesting, there's, there's an interesting through line here, which is this idea that if you can – you know, you said, oh, I, you know, I, I wanted to be okay. I wanted other, I wanted to be okay for other people and you were trying to fit into their construct, but you know, the, and maybe this is where the spirituality comes in, but if you can, if you can figure out how to be okay for yourself, just with yourself. And that is the key right there. Then the world sort of folds in around you and you're not chasing, you don't have to chase all of these empty fake things. Exactly. And that's the thing. And, you know, in the book, you know, he said something like, you know, if the kingdom of heaven is within, then go within, meditate. And so I was taught how to meditate. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, church, you don't have to go to church to be at church. Church is where two or more are gathered and loving. This is church. Mm-hmm. But people read uh, um, scriptures and Bibles or whatever, you know. Uh, the Torah, whatever it is that people, and I'm not knocking those things because there's 8 billion people on this planet. There's 8 billion different ways to get to what it is that you need. Mm -hmm. And for me, I don't want to be controlled by something that's organized with rules and laws and regulations. The rules, the spiritual rules that I stand by is take care of yourself so you can take care of other people don't hurt yourself and don't hurt others and, you know, be of service to yourself so you can be of service to other people. And that the first law of spirit is acceptance. And, you know, when we start moving into that acceptance with ourselves and in the forgiveness with ourselves, when, when we can look at side inside of ourselves and say, you know, like, let's say you're driving, you're like, fuck you, like, we'll drive faster. <laughs> and then you're just really like, familiar. you know, and you're like, you know what, God, like, okay, forgive myself for judging myself for being, you know, like, da da da. And, you know, 
send them light. It's, it's taking stock of yourself because the spirit that resides, the loving that resides is like you said, it's inside of us. And when we take our own inventory and we take care of that, then we're already in the communion. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it doesn't have to be based on, you know, uh, and the other thing I loved about him was like, you know, this idea of that, like, you're not supposed to go out and be some kind of missionary. You don't go out and like, you know, tell people to believe what you believe. And there has been so much abuse within, you know, certain organized religions because uh, man... Uh, will take a scripture or whatever, twist it and turn it, and then say, well, if you don't abide by these rules, then you're going to die and go to hell and blah, blah, well, blah. Well, yeah, there, there, there's, there's a... It's an ego. I always thing. used to... I always used to... It, because spirituality is not is not automatically religion. Religion is a way that people can experience their spirituality through, you know, however they, they do, but spirituality in itself. Yeah. I think is a, a unique thing that, that, that everyone has. And I think religion just sort of takes spirituality and adds a, a layer of politics to it because there's a structure to it. However, again, you know, I know a lot of people who are of various religions and denominations or whatever, and they're great, great Me people, too. and they do good things. So there's nothing wrong. It's it's, it's just like it's, it's just whatever like else. works for you. Yeah, but it's, and it's how you interpret it. You know, like I have the same thing. I have so many friends that are extraordinarily religious, and I think it's beautiful because they know how to read the scriptures or, or whatever they believe in and they're not using it to hurt, abuse or oppress people. Yeah. It's a vehicle. Basically it can be a vehicle, you know, like your car can take you places that are good. Other people can use cars to hurt people and mm-hmm. run over them and destroy. So it's just like the vehicle is neutral, but it's, it's sort of like who's driving it. Exactly. So it's not, exactly. It's not the fault of religion, or it's not the fault. But it's it's like who's driving that one car? Yeah. And 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 again, I, I just think you know, it's good. It's our, I think our lifelong quest is to try to figure out how to get closer and closer to whatever our kind of spiritual selves are. Whatever. Yeah. Our whatever divine that is. truth. Our yeah. truth of who we are. You know, like I I love God and I love Jesus. He was like he was punk rock. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's punk rock for real though. Like. And, you know, it's just people twist it and they turn it around and I'm like, okay, you know, to each his own. And again, you know, like I support everybody and what they're doing as long as they're not hurting people. Right, right, right. And, you know, it's uh, unfortunately not all the time, but sometimes, you know, a religious organization, any religious organization might make proclamations and then you go, Oh, it's kind of ironic how that sort of benefits you. That's what I'm talking about. That's the abuse. (laughs) No, but that's what God says. No, I really don't think so. You really seem to be coming out. God loves all of his children. It doesn't matter if you're gay, reflective of your personal prejudices. You know what I mean? Like if you want a woman to get a, like, like when people use religion to literally dictate what happens in a woman's body, when people use religion to, to shame you or to make you feel that whomever you love is wrong. Well, listen, it's like that. We don't need religion for moral high grounding. People do that constantly. You know, it's like people are 
people are generally at their worst when they feel like they have the moral high ground on any issue, religious or not. Righteousness. And then, and then you know, they just sort of like that's their permission slip to be like, I can be as shitty as I want now because because I'm, Matthew. Like, da, 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 yeah, and it's like, like uh, no. That's what bullies think too. Bullies think yeah. they're it's okay for what they're doing. But but I also but you know, this 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 back to this book, Spiritual Warrior, you have this experience. And so what what is what is that getting closer to that part of our core? Like what is uh I meditate too. I've been doing it, I've been doing TM for a, a little over a year now, and I love it. Yeah. And uh and but but what is that thing that makes us more – what is that journey or what can expedite that journey to being more um, uh, good with ourselves or, or on our own terms? It's so interesting that you said that because good with yourself and that's the key and that's what I had to learn for myself was how do I be gentle with myself? How do I love myself through people's opinions and judgments and false accusations or whatever. How do I love myself for my natural propensity to uh, be really hard on myself, to feel, again, unworthy, um, which I think is part of the human condition. Um, and, you know, when I, when I got this book, I started meditating two hours a day um, and I completely devoted myself to that. And, when I did that, nothing else in this world ever made me feel as high is the connection and the attunement of going inside and chanting this tone and and being with myself. Because as the, it, there's a tone, it's called the Anai Hue. And Anai means empathy and Hue means God. And that's why we're called human. And it's this, it's a Sanskrit tone. And, um, I would do that two hours every day um, and something called freeform writing and you just get a journal out and you get a pen and you just start writing and it might be like the elephant wore a pink bow tie da, 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 and then all of a sudden like and you have to do it with a pen because if you do it with a pencil like you'll tear like shred through the paper. Yeah. I would do that for like 45 minutes and then all this stuff comes out of your unconscious that's been stuck in there and you're like weeping and sobbing like like you just write, 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 write and you don't read it back. And when you're done, you burn it. <laughs> and it's amazing because I do a lot of therapy, <laughs> um, but nothing is as effective is the meditation and free from writing and forgiveness and forgiveness statements, meaning like really going inside and saying, you know, I forgive myself for judging myself or feeling like I am a bad girl or whatever comes up for you. I forgive myself for judging myself for this thing that I did to da, 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 da. I forgive myself for judging this person for, you know, um, the way that they, that, and it's very specific. And part of the thing that I did for like my thesis was I wanted to see, um, if forgiveness could truly change, um, us on a cellular level. And, you know, this idea of utilizing like what Christ taught, which is forgive one another, um, would like do, it does this really work 
And so I was like, I'm going to do a forgiveness statement for every time I have a judgment. I was forgiving Chris like over 300 times a day. (laughs) I'm not kidding you because it's so subtle. Sure. Because we judge, 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 judge. We don't even realize how much we're judging ourselves or other people. But our brains have to make sense of the world. And so we have to file and sort things. And so, you know, like when you're judging all day long, I just feel like. Some of that is just a byproduct of like, I just don't know what to do with this information. Exactly. Sorting, 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 sorting. Because we're problem solvers. Yes. You know, oh, this is probably that. Even though you know you don't have any of the, even though most of the things that you judge, you don't. It's like benign or whatever. Any of, and you also don't have most of the actual facts about situation. But you just have information that you have to deal with and sort and process. Yeah, and especially people like us, right? Where we just, I think that you and I are quite similar in terms of like, when you're a high creative. When you have lots of ideas, um, when like uh, we go, 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 and we just need to like do, 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 and not just randomly, but it's like because we're so passionate about the mm-hmm. things that we love. Um, you know, I think that when we have that kind of thing, there's also an underlying nature um, that I, I relate to you with. And, you know, not to be like too, well, I'll just get deep, but I think that we're very similar in terms of like, we go from a, everything's great to, oh my God, everything's going to fall apart, Mm -hmm. you know, in like two seconds. Yeah. And, 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 and for me, it's like, okay, how can I, how can I expand? How, How do I change my elasticity? So when I go from, oh, this is so great, I'm so, I should be really proud of this, and then this voice come in, and it's like, oh, but should you really be proud of it? And another voice is like, but you should be really excited about it. And then I'm like, huh, but da 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 da. Yeah. And then like, I just want to get back to the, the loving, like back to the centeredness as quickly as possible. And, you know, that's where, you know, m- why meditation literally changed my life. And, and, and it's interesting because when I talk to people, about meditation, they're like, well, I can't meditate because when I meditate, I just can't stop thinking. And I was like, yeah, because you have a brain. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you were given a brain for a reason. And there's this illusion that you're just supposed to sit down and like ohm or whatever. And that's all butterflies and unicorns. And you're not going to think about the fact that like you forgot to like fill up your tires <laughs> or like, oh my God, da, 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 or the one thing that your mom said, like when you were three, like, like there's all the, ch- or the emails that you have to respond to. That's part of it. So it's learning how to have like a mantra um, because meditation is different than like when people just sit and close their eyes and breathe that to me is just contemplation Mm -hmm. but meditation is active it's an exercise so when you have something that you're chanting you have something to focus on so what I was taught is like okay yeah you forgot to do something cool great you're here to complete things so write it down go back and you start changing your tone Something comes up, write it down, go back and change your tone. We cannot, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, that's the part that kills me the most is when people think that they're failing and they can't do it because of all the mind chatter. Yeah, the mind chatter. And, and I think, you know, Seinfeld, who's been a, a lifelong meditator for, of TM, 
which is a little bit different form of meditation than what you're talking no, about. No, yeah, but, I know but, a lot of a lot of a lot of the TM peeps uh, end up doing you know this this tone. Yeah, well, he he had sort of described it as um, like when the thoughts come when he's meditating, just accepting and receiving. Them. That's right, and letting him go. Like basically, just like people just moving by. He just exactly. kind of lets them move by without. He doesn't. He's like you don't necessarily have to engage them, and so. You know, when you have the TM, like when you get your mantra, it's you go back to it because it sort of reminds you, oh, yeah, I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not here to engage in all these thoughts. I'm here to just sort of be here and then just kind of let them go by so you can kind of sink deeper. Exactly. Them. Which is why I say the first law of spirit is acceptance. So it's like when that mind chatter comes in, it's like, yeah, all these things are going in my mind. Okay, cool. It's okay. And it's like moving into that acceptance. All right. Yeah, that's happening. And I just keep going and going and going and going and going. And, you know, like I said, oh my gosh, this, it's been what, since, yeah, since I was 17, 18. And I'm turning 40 in April, which is, it is April. Oh my God, so soon. And so, you know, I dedicated my life to this. And I can never imagine being where I am. Or the person that I am without that, because nothing um, changed my life more than having a mantra, going within, and 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 learning that it's okay that I am the way that I am, and I have this thing. And I don't know if you experience this, but it's like a battery, right? It's like. Sometimes, like I'll, I'll I'll be going about my day, and literally, I feel like I'm like going out of my body, up and out of my body, and I'm like, okay, I need to like, I need to meditate right now, mm-hmm. and I need my mantra right now because it's it completely refuels you. And when you do it, it's like, okay, if I had to, che- if I had like only three hours to sleep, or I could chant, I'll take the chanting because that revitalizes me far more and the more that you do it the faster you get up and out right Mm -hmm. you know you get up and out of your body um and you become really and you can do it in a a very you become very adept to that and it's just practice and and you know the only wrong way to meditate is just to not do it (laughs) well yeah because if if you're if you're not comfortable with yourself or if you have trauma or if you don't want to, you know, sit alone with yourself or whatever reason, whatever reason. If and you, we know. Then, no, you're on the nose. That's the truth. Then, it's then, trauma. Then you're going to seek – You go seek, out, 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 You're going to go out, 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 out and you're going to seek external things. You're going to seek drugs. You're going to seek sex. You're going to seek food. You're going to seek Instagram, work, social media, Anything to distract whatever. you from yourself. Yeah. Our whole, and you it's and so I both easy know, to do that now. Chris, you and I both know this is true. And we both know <laughs> that it is insatiable. Yeah. This is an insatiable world. And we will always be insatiable. But the world will always bounce back that it's never enough. And so the fact is, is that each person will come into it in their own timing, but every time that's just, it's a distraction. It's a distraction. And when we go out to all these different things to try and fill it, you know, it's actually, it's like, I say, I call it like an energetic vampire, Mm -hmm. you know, it vampires us. So who are you surrounding yourself with? How are you spending your time? 
are you being the people that will have your back no matter what, no matter what people say about you, what people think about you? Like all I give a shit about, frankly, is like, if you will love me at my best and you will love me at my worst, that's all I need. Right. And I know who those people are, Lydia, you, my husband. I, I know, I know I can count on my hands the people that would always be ride or die. And for that, I'm eternally grateful because when the whole, when, when you get a bunch of people trying to make you feel really bad about whatever thing, and I call it, you know, you know, trial by Twitter or cancel culture, this whole thing that's going on where it's like this mob mentality where it's like one person will write, will write one thing and it goes back to like when I'm like, oh, you know, well, don't you hate blue and da 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 da. Like, you know, one person will say one thing and then it spreads like wildfire and people aren't even going because they're not going inside to say, oh, wait, how do I really actually feel about this? And there's clear examples uh, throughout history where these kinds of things have taken place. And now more than ever, people are supposedly being held accountable through social media. Um, yet at the same time, uh, we are dividing ourselves through social media. And I'm like, that's not the, the, I want to use it as a tool to, to genuinely express who I am. When you talk about forgiveness, forgiveness of the world, forgiveness to yourself, forgiveness of, you know, someone said to me once, you don't forgive, you you don't necessarily forgive to forgive other people. You do it for yourself. For yourself. Yes. Because when we forgive, um, essentially it's like a monkey on the back, right? Because you know how you could be walking on the street and someone looks at you and you're like, oh my God, why do they look at me like that? They must hate me. And our minds go crazy, right? Yeah. And in their brain, they're like smiling and they thought nothing of it, right? So we carry these many, 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 many experiences throughout our, from the minute that we're born, you know, all the time. And, and it's also like in much bigger circumstances too. But the forgiveness is, is for me, is that I want to live with the freedom inside of myself so that I know that if I forgive, I can let go of it. If I forgive, I can let go of it. They can do whatever they want with it. But when I move into the forgiveness, I don't have to carry that hatred in my heart or the grudge in my heart or the againstness in my heart because when I am in my againstness, I'm not in my my truth nor my happiness. And it and that I, I, I cannot live that way. And so if and it may and, and so be selfish in your forgiveness. <laughs> no, well, truly. Because it burns it just burn. It's just like poison when you. It's can't, poison. When it you is can't, when you hold on to. It. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know there are things that happen in the world that are tough to forgive. A hundred percent. But also, at a certain point, it gets. You know, I'm sure for people, you know, like when something horrible happens and people go, oh, "But I forgave the person that you know." I yeah, know, I know exactly. Ran, ran, ran over, over my light. child, yeah, yeah, or yeah. Like what? Like there's big things, you and know. And then you, you sort of, and then you go, oh "My God, how could they forgive that? How would anyone?" 
And I, I think it probably is because they can't carry the, the hatred burden. around it because it just, it just poisons everything. It, it does. It poisons everything. It does. And then that runs you. So I always ask myself, what's running me right now? What am I allowing to run me right now? You know, there's so much urgency in this world. So when people are like, oh, my God, this thing has to happen now. And, oh, my God, this has to happen right now. Right now We're no, in the no, no, business. No, no. Of, that's you the know? entertainment business. Yeah, like, oh, no, 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 no. And it's like, I know the difference between this needs to be handled and completed right now versus people's fear and urgency and anxiety that they're thrusting upon me. But when I move with urgency, when it's not an emergency, mm-hmm. Then I get caught up in their whirlwind, their tornado yeah. of of their uncenteredness, right? But we like, but that's the thing about going inside and meditation and controlling your own inner environment to the best of your ability, because then you can you become you know uh, uh, more quickly able to discern. Okay, is this something that is truly urgent right now? Like, I'm with my children, or I'm sitting down and I have to write this, or I'm preparing this character, or whatever it is that we're doing in that moment. Is it is it so urgent that I should get up and handle that now? Or is this th- just their urgency and their fear, worry, anxiety, concern, and everything's really going to be okay if I do this in an hour? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Or tomorrow. Or tomorrow. Because it is about delegation, especially in a world now where, you know, there's never a way to finish everything. No, you know? absolutely not. And, you know, then then that's where, you know, that's why we, when suicide is the second leading cause of death, I mean, come on. Well, it's, 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 our worlds can get so complicated and... You know, when traumatic things happen, you feel your world get smaller. A hundred percent. And that's but but the good part about the world getting smaller is that it does sort of force you to realize like what's important, what who's important, what it, what is essential to your survival, what is essential to your emotional survival, your physical survival, um, and and I think those moments are when people can really you know, sort of phoenix out of the ashes because they realize like, oh yeah, I think I was just, you know, it's like if you're living your life, living your life, then you get a horrible medical diagnosis. It's like, oh yeah, all that other, you know, the coffee that didn't get made. Yeah. Right? It's like, and that, I've been turns out that many, doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. And I've been through <laughs> many of those experiences, yeah. you know, and I'm grateful for them because my, my, what I need is quite simple. You know, I just want, to be able to connect, you know, I just want intimacy or into me see <laughs> like really that that's all I want. That's all I've ever wanted. It's not sexual. It's nothing. I, I don't need a bunch of people telling me I'm great. Like that has never fulfilled me because that's always just hype mm-hmm. and BS. But when I'm with the people that I know love me no matter what. And we can just like play a board game or like, just do this, just us talking. Like I'd rather do this than anything else like this, play with my kids, you know, like, you know, exercise, read a book, you know, 
have a, a, a nice cup of coffee. They're simple things. It's like, how much do we really need? And it takes very traumatic experiences where all of a sudden you feel like your life is threatened or your, uh, someone you love, their life is threatened. Um, and, and not just physically, but maybe physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, uh, when, you know, something that was expected to be so big, all of a sudden comes crashing down and it's nothing. When we, when we base our value on the outside world, then we're in for a real disappointment because expectations lead to disappointment. Mm -hmm. And ultimately when we can live in the simplicity of, Oh, this is what I need. And you know what, what I just went through was really messed up and I'm mortified and embarrassed and terrified and scared. And I don't know what to do. And I, and you literally feel like you're going through hell. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, this, I really do believe that things happen for a reason because all it's like, it's like God or whatever you believe. It's like, it comes in and edits your life. <laughs> and you're like, thanks, thanks, thanks so much because now I know who really loves me right. and now I know what it is that I really need. And now I know who like has my back and, and like, and the, and the simple things that I just, that, that, that I need as a, as a soul to, um, to, to experience and to give back to this world. Yeah. And is it, you know, it, in as much as for, especially for anyone who's listening, who feels like they're struggling to find that centeredness and just sort of knowing like, Hey, you know, look, you've been doing it for 20 some years and it, and you, and it's still something that requires work. It's not like you just figure it out once and you're like, well, I'm good forever now. Like it's a, it's, it is a thing no. that, that is a, that's sort of a daily thing, but you know, like what are some good ways for people to start I mean, obviously, this book that you read might be a book that people, you That's know... That's a hands down, like, a game changer. But what about, you know, like, you know, if someone came to you and said, Oh, my God, Jamie, I don't know. I just feel like I'm spinning up my axis and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. How do I be... How do I start finding more of my centered spiritual self? Like, what, what do you say? What, do you, what would you say to somebody? I would send them a link to the tone, to the chant. I would send them a link to that. I mean, you know, part of what I do is beyond uh, beyond being, you know, a writer, or a filmmaker, and, and an actor, or a storyteller is is this work, and you know, and if someone were to come to me, we have to relate to each person according to their level of consciousness, and you know, ultimately, we are never given anything we cannot handle. I really believe that. You know, there was a man that attacked my four-year-old child last year and cracked my friend's ribs. Nobody knows this. He's been, you know, he just walked out of custody four months ago. Um, and he's not in jail. Well, now he is. Oh, good. (laughs) That was, uh, three days ago. Oh my God. But you know, I've had a person coming after me and my children and my family knew where I lived. Um, you know, I had to set up a covert operation with my husband and one of our best friends. 
um, to get this guy in cuffs. Um, and I never thought that it would come down to a place where I would have to put my body on the line and my friend's body on the line, but that's what we do for one another um, because our system is broken here. Um, you know, and I, you know, I told Selmy, or sorry, Selma Blair this like two days ago because no one knew, no one knew because I didn't know how to explain it to anybody and I didn't want people to be scared. And I was dealing with, you know, the mayor and the deputy mayor and, you know, um, the officers and, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that are involved with it. And there's so many props and laws that have been passed through that, you know, it doesn't matter what someone has done. Um, somehow, uh, they can just walk in and, and our system is deeply underfunded and the people, the men and the women that are serving us, you know, their hands are tied because they, they served to go get these guys you know, and, you know, I, I have been living this false exterior, which is, I think, you know, this about me, that's not who I am. Like, I don't pretend to be somebody else on the outside while something else is going on. You know, I'm pretty freaking transparent. Anybody that follows me knows how transparent I am. And, you know, I, um, had this guy say that he was going to rip the dress off my son's faggot ass. Oh my God. And you know, a video of him saying he's going to throw me off of a truck, tie me to a truck, throw me off of it and drag me around Los Angeles until he rolled my body over. Um, I mean, and that's just the light version of it. And, and how long did this go on? For four months and the for the past two weeks, it was the most excruciating. And so, you know, um, you know, when they passed Prop 47, which was the legalization of marijuana, which I wasn't very thrilled about um, because there's so much fine print under that. Uh, the reason why I wasn't really thrilled about it, A, you know, I, 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 I don't smoke marijuana and I have no judgment about people that do. Um, but I just know that there's not enough research out there. Um, and, but, but it's not even about the marijuana part. It was like billions of dollars were supposed to go to our public schools, but with prop 47 and AB 109, and I literally campaigned for a social justice reform. Like I had friends back in New York that would get caught with a dime bag and end up in Rikers and then end up as crackheads. You know, like I've seen, you know, people like literally put in jail for no freaking reason at all. And then you have people that are out that legitimately are convicted felons and need to be in jail, you know, and of course, you know, if you're a person of color, you know, that that's the way, you know, if you're a person of color, that's where the real injustice is. This is a white guy who was in the Navy and, uh, everyone kept trying to tell me he was just crazy and he was high as a kite, would never know who I was. And then I kept saying, uh, my job is to study human behavior and my, there's been mental illness throughout my whole family. I, I, this is what I study. This is what I do just because someone has a mental illness, which is basically the majority of everybody. We all have something does not mean that they cannot be tactical. 
and that they're not, that they don't have the capacity to think in a succinct way. And when this guy just walked out, legit walked out, he created an Instagram account and came after me and knew where I lived. And yeah, you know, I can't, I don't want to say the whole thing because we're still, in the, you know, I have my next court date and I haven't said anything to anybody about this. So I've never talk, spoken publicly about it. Um, well, you don't, I mean, I don't want you to feel obligated. I want no, you to I'm, be comfortable. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I want you to be comfortable. Oh, I know. I'm just not going to give details. Um, but basically through the, the grace of, you know, uh, you know, with, with, again, I'll just step back with Prop 47. Um, essentially, it made almost every drug personal use. So you can be caught with 50 pounds of heroin. And I'm not joking because I asked the DA this. So if I had 50 pounds of heroin on me, that would be a misdemeanor. And she said, yes, unless we could prove intent to sell. And I was like, and what would that mean? She's like, well, if you had baggies on you. So someone could say with the 50 pounds of heroin, this is personal use. And it's a misdemeanor. Yes. And there's all these things that they slid in there. And yet the money and yet the money is not going to our children into public education. Where is that money going? You know, it's like, it's, it's, um, and I'm not for mass incarceration. We incarcerate more people in this country than anywhere else in the world. Um, and, and there, this is a very difficult subject to talk about, but when you have a person that it literally not only becomes obsessed with you, but is threatening to, to, you know, kill your children, and when they already attacked your child and your child has been in therapy for a year, when you have a person that then, you know, is um, like sending you like the most like horrific things. Was this the same guy that attacked? It's the same guy. Jesus Christ. The same guy. And I kept saying, he's going to know. He's going to know. He's going to know. No, he's just crazy. He was just high. He's just crazy. And, you know, I'm like, of course, like, like, it's like, like. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, so that's, that's what I've been going through for four months. I'm, I mean, and I, I, I mean, obviously we're friends, so I know, you a, know, a lot of yeah. this, but I, but I, I still, I mean, it is remarkable that you, but the fact that no one else had any idea, it's remarkable that you were able to stay composed under such a really, really horrific circumstances. And, and what is that? You know where 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 are you where do you and Kyle pull that strength from when you know when you're being tormented by this person like what do you are are you is it meditation are you shoving it down are you clinging tighter to each other is it spiritual like what what is it that you're doing for anyone who's going through it's, something that feels insurmountable it's really interesting because the only people that really knew about this I told I mean I. Lydia knew, you knew about it, uh, Selma knew about it, um, and then when it really ramped up the past two weeks uh, with the how serious and dangerous it was, uh, no one knew about it because I, 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 how I dealt with it was this, because I have experienced many traumas throughout my life. And learn that I've gotten through the other side. I've made it through the other side. 
And, and I, and I always, and I, and, and what I, when I learned is how can I use everything for my learning upliftment and for my growth? I go back, back to that, back to that, back to that. And when I felt like I was just going to crumble or lose my mind. And I remember, you know, the sheriff saying, we've never seen someone so calm and composed through like going through something like this. And, and yet there was a part of me that just kept going back to the 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 trust that I had built within myself from going within from meditation from saying okay you know what I'm going to do now I know now I have to get milk for my kids I'm going to do that now mhm it's becoming like as it's, present as you can you possibly be you have to become as present as possible and it this is not impossible for people this I'm not giving some esoteric thing but if you feel like your entire world is crashing down all I can say to you is this you put one foot in front of the other and I just go back is my heart beating yes am I breathing yes okay and right now I'm a success. That simple. Because sometimes we need very simple cues, very simple cues to get us through the most horrific things in the whole world and then be proactive. And it's like being a soldier. And I've learned how to be like a soldier, you know, I, like, you know, not too long ago, my best friend died in my arms. I was caring for her, you know, um, when she was, you know, when she was dying of cancer, you know, I, I have, we've all experienced different things, but what it is, is when you feel at a loss, what can you do that is an action, Right. And this may sound crazy, but sometimes when I feel like I'm going to crumble or crash, you know, when people are like, oh, just see from a different perspective, Mm -hmm. I literally will turn my body around and I will look in another direction. I will turn my physical body around and focus on something very clear. Like right now, I'm looking right at that leaf Mm -hmm. on the wallpaper. And what that does is it changes the synapses in your brain. It changes the synapses in your brain. So when we get on the, when you get, when you're in your depression and your anxiety and in your panic and all this stuff, just by turning, it actually switches it around in your brain for just enough of a second that it, it moves it. It's very simple thing. Did it give you peace or clarity or? It's just like, you know, when you're thinking and you're, you're in your downward spiral and you're just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Just turn around and look at something and then say, oh, okay, whatever you're looking at. Okay. That thing is green. And the thing is, you know, okay, there's like, it's light green and it's green. And then there's these little petals right behind it. Like, Describe it. Yeah, that's that because that's forcing you to be present. That's forcing exactly. you to to be in the present moment because it, there is that you know that kind of like a one day at a time thing, which I think is very applicable for most things. Yeah. Because if you you know a lot of our catastrophizing and being overwhelmed comes from 
you know, and then it's all going to crash. And then I don't know how I'm going to get through. It's like it always goes to a place of like, okay, but you, but, but now, but now. Just focus on where you are now and what you can get through in this moment and then what you can get through today and do your best to worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And, um, yeah. And, that's- and, and it sounds like, 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 if people that are going through really intense things, maybe like that sounds woo woo or too simple, but I'm telling you that it's the simple things that have saved me and gotten me through the hardest things in my life. And when I say like the hardest things, when I walk into the kitchen and I'm getting death threats, it's like I, and I go to wash the dishes and all I do is just focus on washing that one dish with love. And I put it down and then I go to the next dish and I just focus on what I'm doing then and there. And of course the other stuff is happening and you may be crying or whatever, but what it is, is just doing that thing in the moment. And you're not, that doesn't mean you're ignoring. It does not mean that you're denying. It does not mean that you are pushing something aside. What it means is that sometimes all we can just do is the little things until we are, have the strength and the capacity to do it in a diff, in, 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 where we can handle it. And we have to understand where our thresholds are because when we go into the past, we go into our sadness, our melancholy. But when we start projecting into the future, we go into fear, anxiety, oh, worry, yeah. concern, right? Yep. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, well, it just sounds so easy. Yeah, people say be present, be present. So these are actual physical things that you can do, right? <laughs> because it's kinesthetic, right? So sometimes, and especially now where we use our phones all the time, it's like when you have something that you can do with your hands, I don't care if you sew a button on a shirt, like just do that thing. Because you can't focus on two things at once. Yes. You can't focus. I remember when I first started talking about years and years ago talking about uh, panic and anxiety it, with a therapist. She was, okay, the next time you're starting to really just go into full-blown anxiety, just focus on your breathing. Mm-hmm. Just lie down and focus on your breath. Focus on your heart beating. Think about it because she said you cannot simultaneously be relaxing and then go into panic at the same time. You can't yes. focus on that and your anxiety at the same time. And it and I started do, doing it. I was like, oh fuck it, yeah, she's it works, right? right? Yeah, it works. yeah, because especially when you have anxiety attacks, because um, I started having anxiety attacks, you know, when I lost uh, this person when I was younger, and I, you know, you literally feel like you're gonna have a heart attack and die. Yes. And but then I realized I would, I would have such a fear that I was going to have a panic attack yeah, 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 that the yeah. fear made would it, the made trigger it, one. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. like these, these tools that are quite simple, but they really work. And right now more than ever, people need it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are, you know, again, without, cause I don't want you to have to go into too much detail, but are you, you're okay now? <laughs> I guess it's, are you, are you feeling like if this person is in jail that are you, do you, can you breathe easier now? Do you feel um, good. Have you I dealt feel, with it yet? I haven't. Um, it's very strange because everyone's like, aren't you so excited about the show? And I'm like, yeah, I'm really excited about the show. And then there's other, this other thing that was like, oh, but this person's after us. Mm-hmm. Right. So then I realized, holy shit, 
this is life imitating art. This is Rose. <laughs> For real, though. Because Rose, Rose was under the same kind of circumstances where she's torn from that which she loves the most. There's the threat of life that she loves the most. And she just keeps going through it. And I just thought, how interesting how that works. Um, but now, uh, um, I guess there's, I feel relaxed because this person's not on the street. Um, but that's just for now until our court date. Um, and, you know, I know that there is going to be, you know, it's such a process. And I spent a year dealing with this case. Um, and, you know, right when I thought that I, you know, that it was done, all of a sudden it had just started. Um, but I, I feel, I feel grateful because again, it goes back to that thing of doing, you know, like they had sent a car to come pick me up at my house. And I was like, I just want to drive to Chris's house. Like I want to drive to my friend's house, you know, <laughs> like I don't want to be driven. I just want to drive. I just want to do, I just want to go talk to my friend right now, you know? And, and that's the relaxation, Right. Like that is this right now is the healing. This is what helps me deal with the trauma. I, I, of it. I'm so glad because, you know, and you also mentioned Selma, who I mean, her Instagram. Is, and I've also been taking care, you know, taking care of her. So she, her and Instagram I didn't, is, obviously didn't tell her because I was the first person that knew when she was diagnosed. We've been best friends since, you know, what, like we were 20 and. And even when this was going on, I was like at the hospital with her and taking care of her. And, and, and I do that because that's who I, because, the, uh, the, because that helped me because that's what I do. And, and there's nothing I would not do. Yeah. She's, for her. you know, between you, I mean, it's like, there's so many people in my life that I'm so blown away by that. I'm humbled by their strength. You're one of them. Selma, I don't even really know, and I'm. I feel that way about her. Lydia is that way. Right? Where I'm just like, how are you so? Like, she's just such a. She's just a rock. She's such a peaceful, grounded creature, and yes. uh, I don't know. I just feel really lucky, and just. I mean, even just being near all of you, and just, we're lucky too. <laughs> we're lucky too. It just feels good. It just feels like because uh, you're the same. Well, but I, you you just maybe you just can't see. I it. just have. I just have. I have. I have a lot of respect for you. Like and, attracts and, like, and, and and I also. It is also interesting to, you know, to hear about your upbringing, and then. There's something about like – because I'm sure people would – you know, like they'll see a supermodel and make a judgment. Oh, this girl probably is, had it easy, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh my no, God. no, no. She didn't. And also Mary's like the sweetest nerd. <laughs> right? <laughs> the Kyle is just the sweetest. You know, your husband, I, I really – I just think the world of him. And, and he does you. I'm so glad. So much. He was great We're on the so, podcast. With the, he was on a few months ago. I know. He's so ago. excited. You know, he, he was so excited. I mean, I feel so grateful that we have our – this is our family. This is family. Yeah. You know, and in this world of chaos and and nonsense, we have our, you know, blood family. But we're family. Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, you, you know – all the things that we try to acquire, whether it be material objects or likes or whatever it is, you know, it's none of it's 
none of it's going to matter, you know, like it doesn't matter now, but it's someday it really isn't going to matter. And it's like, well, what matters? Well, the people whose lives you were touched by and the people whose lives that you touched, like the real, the real people, not just, you know, that's it. And, uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, the other stuff is fine. There's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be on social media. There's nothing wrong with wanting to, you know, like, do well in life or acquire things or whatever, no. but as long as it doesn't define you, as long as you don't let it define you. And that's, Precisely. yeah. And so that's, I think where, if you can get to a place where you are okay with yourself, where you are fine with yourself, then all that other stuff is just like, ah, I can come and go and I'm fine no matter what. And that's ultimately, you know, I feel like that's the spiritual quest is being And that's fine. the liberation. Yeah. Right. That's the liberation is when you can be with yourself. Yeah. And and be free in that. And, you know, social media is brilliant in so many ways because we can connect. But it's also, you know, like, uh, you know, a brave new world. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, to every person out there that thinks that their likes are, you know, you know, there's it's Pavlovian. Yeah. It's truly Pavlovian. So it's. You know, they get a like and they're like, huh, I feel better. I feel better. Well, good luck with that because that's, that's not love. Yeah. You know, it's, and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't want those things or whatever, but like what we're talking about here, like this is, this is real life. This is home. And it's just, it's, it's just amazing. It's just amazing, you know, to sit in front of you and be with you and you know, how long we've known each other and to see each other grow and expand and Lydia and, you know, like it's, I just, it's just, it's just a gift. It's a gift. Well, thank you for marrying us. (laughs) And a heartbeat and a heartbeat. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, people's, you know, everyone's lives get crazy with stuff and, you know, very serious things and then just regular life stuff. Yeah. But, um, but I do think it is important to, when it's so easy to be comfortable and stay at home, oh, I don't feel like going, I don't feel like doing this, I don't feel like, you know, like forcing yourself to go be a part of the human experience in the world, forcing yourself to be with friends, forcing yourself to be around other people. Especially know. like, because you and I think are natural isolators, like <laughs> extrovert, introvert. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I I'm definitely can be like a, an, a like I'll be an, I'm introverted mm-hmm. and then I can be very extroverted. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I feel that way too. I feel that way Introver- too. I can be very introverted in social in social situations. Sometimes, I mean, obviously, I'm a comedian, so I can be very extroverted. Because that's because we can be extroverted when we're doing what we love to do, right. which is ultimately to give back, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, my comedy is a real gift. It's just such a gift. No, but also like it's like it's the communion. <laughs> I guess it is. It's the connection. So the next time I do stand up, I should be like, uh, "Peace be with you." And, and do you accept this? Do you accept the body? of Chris. Uh, the body of Chris. <laughs> the body of Chris. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> Jokes are okay. Um, but, uh, well, I'll make sure that we, um, at the at the top of the podcast, I'll explain everything about Black Summer, uh, which Lydia and I watched the first two episodes of uh, and is great. It, it's the, the storytelling, we are great in it, but also the storytelling uh, mechanism is really interesting. And it's sort of fun because it fucks we with – so hard It fucks with perspective and – Yes. 
And so you're, you get to see things from a lot of different angles at, at almost at the same time. And it's, it's a really interesting way of storytelling. And one thing we did that nobody else knows is that each, each episode is based on an iconic film that we love. Okay. It's like episode two is Dune. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> episode three is Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like each one has a thing without losing its... I love you, and I thank you for your presence in this world and for being a beam of light. And uh, and also, you know, I mean, I don't know what to say. I'm sorry you have been going through all this horrible, horrible shit, and you know... You know I always know you guys have me. Yes, if you ever need anything. I always know. Please. Like, I always know. Please I always know. know. Okay, good. And I love you so much. Good, 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 good. So much. We adore you, and... Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I hope we, I hope we get to, I hope we get to like do fun, silly stuff, you know, over the summer. Can we please? We yes. gotta plan a, like a vacation. Yeah, and and we have to just like come over and chill. And you know, I can't do the scary movies that Lids loves, but maybe I'll we can look go at see silly stuff. We can do all we can we can do all kinds of fun stuff. Good. All right. Well, um, I will. Uh, people should watch Black Summer. Wait, let me just make sure I know the date. It's it's April eleventh. April eleventh. Oh, so by the time this goes up, it'll be up. Perfect. So it's already up now. It's on. It's on Netflix. You can watch it. It's eight episodes, uh, and just watch them all at once. Because they're all different. It's like one episode is like 42 minutes. One episode is like 34 minutes. Another episode – they're like – We created a visual novel. Yeah. It's really interesting because they're – each episode is kind of as long as it needs to be to tell the story of that episode. Yeah. So uh, – yeah. So uh, run, run. Don't walk. Even though you're probably right in front of your device that you would watch Netflix on. Um, thank you, Jamie King. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. Down the road and back again. Back again. This is Word Salad. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wrap for episode number 995. That was Jamie King, um, who, you know, as I said in the intro and hopefully was apparent during the podcast is... Um, someone who is inspirational to me it just in the amount of you know she's she's been through a lot in her life and still manages to embrace um positivity and embrace people and still um i mean again just uh, has this ability to no matter what she's going through still kind of let people into her lives and be there for other people, even when she is having uh, a hard time with something. And I just have so much respect for her and her family. But she said something really interesting when I asked her about like, well, how do you, you know, when, when horrible things happen, when tragic things happen, what do you, what is it that you do? And the, the nugget that's going to stick with me um, 
it was the idea of like you put one foot in front of the other. You know, things are going to happen in your life. They feel overwhelming. And you put one foot in front of the other. You know, she said she goes and washes a dish and just completes that task. So if you're going through something right now and you feel like it's insurmountable and, you know, like how am I going to get through this and where am I going to find the energy? You, you know, just do what Jamie said. Focus on the moment. Be present. Um my uh, late friend, Brody Stevens, uh, I remember one time said, you know, that for him, depression was about past things and anxiety was about future things. And so, you know, he also expressed this idea of being able to um, to be to be in the present. And um, and I always that was a piece of advice from him that always stuck with me. And I hope it's something that you can take away as well because you you can't control what's already happened and you can't control what's to come, but you can control how you are in a moment. And uh, changing your direction, changing your perspective uh, when, when you can. Um, and obviously, you know, some things are devastating, but doing the best you can, getting through each moment, going and washing a dish if you have to, turning and looking the other way. Just getting yourself into a shower, brushing your teeth, doing normal things. Um, because whatever you're going through, you I guarantee you, you're stronger than you think you are. Because so much of the anxiety that we all feel is about what could happen, what could happen next. We're bracing for what could happen next. And that makes us feel weaker because it makes us feel like we're not in control. And, you know, we are not in control of what happens in the world or what's going to happen in the future. But that's not the point. You are in control of your present self and you're in control of, you know, what you're doing in a moment to take to take care of yourself. And when you release the past and when you release trying to control what happens in the future, that allows you to be the strong creature that you are. Um, so, again, one foot in front of the other. Breathe. <laughs> what time is it? Where am I? What does the wallpaper look like? Take in your surroundings. You know, sometimes when I'm really, especially when I'm nervous about doing a show or something or, you know, or if I can't, if I'm really stressing about something, I'll just look at a detail of something in the room. Okay, the wallpaper is this color. That frame has that shape. This, you know, um, this pen is facing this way. And I, I will say out loud the things that are present in the room the way it is right then because it just... It just pulls me into the present. And I know it sounds like a dopey thing, but if it, uh, if, it, if it is usable to you in any way, then it is worth sharing with you the, the dopey thing. Because, you know, again, you're stronger than you know. And, you know, you, people like Jamie, like, go through in just absolutely insane things, multiple insane things. You know, and here she is able to talk about it, able to open up. Hopefully people are able to gain strength from her story. You know, this is why we share things. This is why we tell stories to help not only have catharsis for ourselves, but also to hopefully benefit other people who are asking a lot of questions. Why this? Why that? Why me? Why is this happening? You know, and, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, I I really, um, I want you to know that you can get through things and that you're stronger than you know. Um, and even sometimes just hearing someone say that, even if it's a stranger on a podcast, can ignite something and give you that little bit of a boost that you need to to forge ahead. Because as I have always said, you are worth it. And, um, and I appreciate you. So thank you so much for listening to Word Salad Wrap. 
uh, for episode number 995. Um, and also uh, a special thanks to everyone who came out to the um, Comedy Works in Denver. I just had an absolute blast there, and the shows were were super, super, super fun and got to talk to a lot of really cool and t- take pictures with a lot of really interesting, fun people. And, uh, and I just want to say thanks. Uh, Denver, I consider it kind of my home since I went to high school there. So it, uh, was, it was really fun. Tennessee, my actual home state of Tennessee. Well, actually, Kentucky's my home home state. Tennessee is where I largely grew up. So I'm looking forward to uh, coming to Nashville soon and seeing some folks out there. So thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a, a wonderful day. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Rhea Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.